This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. What's up, Smooth Operators? Welcome to Friday. We made it. End of another week. And you know what time that means? It's time for another interview on the show. You know how much I get like I get geeky excited every time I get to do an interview because I don't know. Like lately, I just had interview with after interview with amazing people. Well, you know, you've heard the interviews. What am I telling you for? If you haven't heard the interviews, well, you know, we got this thing. Like you can go back and listen to old podcasts, and while you're there, leave a rating. You know, all those things. That's a great thing about podcasting. It's so evergreen. But anyway. That's not the topic for today. The topic for today is the role of the integrator in your business and how much that second in command can make a difference. I know this from both sides of the house, having been the second in command at a business and now as the head of my own business and I have my second in command. Like I know that relationship, how special it is between the visionary and the integrator and how, man, you want to superpower your business overnight? You hire one of these super nerds like me or like my special guests because we will put a rocket fire under your business and help you achieve more faster because that's what we do. And that's why I'm so excited to welcome from the other side of the pond, Olivia Claire. Olivia Claire is a professional integrator. She's the founder of the Integrator Agency. And so what she does at the agency, she actually helps hook up visionaries with their integrators. So, hey, if you're having trouble finding one, uh, check out Olivia. All the contact information's in the show notes. Um, in addition to all this, she's the host of the Crystal Vision podcast. And I'm so excited to geek out on not only that second command role, what they can do for your business, but operations, marketing, and just all the things that go into this. So Olivia, so happy to have you on the show. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm so good. Thank you for that introduction. I'm like blushing a little. I'm very, very excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Um, we already spoke for 15 minutes before this, just because we can't help ourselves when it comes to this topic. So absolutely cannot wait and ready to just jump right in. Love it. Olivia, let's just start off with some of your backstory because how we all got to this place is like no one ever grew up in school with the teacher saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an integrator. Yeah, but yet we find ourselves <laughs> in this role because there's something so beautiful and natural to our personalities on how this works. So what drew you to this line of work? How'd you end up here? Great question. I um I grew up and I was going to be a writer. So I was going to write books and write for a beauty magazine and live in a high rise building in the city. And that was my plan from when I was about 11 and I was just a crazy child so organized I had two planners I had a personal planner and a, and a school planner I actually used both of them it's so embarrassing and 
I actually fell into the business world and it's it's funny both of my bar- parents growing up they own their own businesses and being so type A the way that I was so organized such a high achiever I don't know how I didn't discover business um before I did but I I did really well in school um I taught my class and so I became a tutor and then the tutoring company that I was working for had an internal role going for an inquiry, inquiries assistant. So essentially um, doing sales, doing administration, um, emails, working with CRMs, things like that. And it was completely unlike anything I'd ever done or ever studied, but I was obsessed and took me about three months to get my head around everything. I asked a million questions as I still do, but I'm, I don't know if it's a me thing. I have a feeling it's an integrated thing where you ask a billion questions. It takes you a while, but once you get your head around it, you've mastered it and you can delegate it. You can do it forever, do it back to front and do it better than anyone else. And so that's what I did with that role. Within three months, I was um, promoted to inquiries manager. And then within a year, I was promoted to executive manager, working with over 200 subcontractors and really leading the business, leading it through COVID. And after COVID, I'm sure as a lot of people did, I had a big spiritual awakening and decided to start my own business and just kept trying and failing and testing and um, yeah, trying different things, trying drop shipping, trying coaching, trying influencing, all those things until I really decided that what I love to do is just use my brain in this way. It comes so natural to me, talk operations, marketing, management, higher level stuff, and collated a team to help do the action with me and for my clients so that I can stay in my zone of genius, high level strategy, and my clients receive action and task-based support for not a high strategy price, which you sometimes find with integrators. And that's that's sort of how I ended up where I am today. Yeah. That's my big, my big story. I love it. Man, that that brought back some memories. Like you mentioned, like going through COVID and like having to like there were some moments during that time period where like we realistically looked at the business saying, are we going to make it? And so Mm -hmm. that role being the integrator, there's a lot of, it's like stress is coming from both sides of the equation. I found where you get the top down stress, but also the bottom up stress. Is that similar Mm. to your experience? Yeah, it was interesting. I think in my particular niche, there was a lot of luck that the subcontractors that we had, the tutors in Australia, they were able to receive government assistance. So that was okay. But top level, it was just a matter of you're going to have less hours. We're going to try and make it through. We were really lucky that the majority of our business was already online. So the core team were already remote. Um, But, you know, I watched, you know, fellow staff members get let go and not come back. And um, I watched inquiries, you know, drop to 10% of what they were before. And, you know, everyone's sort of sitting at home. It's kind of like, you know, you're laying under the covers, you've got the covers over your head and you're just like peeking out, like hoping that this is going to end soon. And that's what we really did. But the business survived COVID um, and yeah, continued to profit um, for a couple of years until it was sold and I did this journey. So 
yes, there was definitely pressure from everywhere. And it's it was one of those tricky things where there's not much you can do either. So, you know, you can only push yeah. so much or market so much in an industry that had some face-to-face aspect to it as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned very much a spiritual wake, and I feel you on that one. It was really profound for, for myself. And that helped deal with a lot of the stress, deal with a lot of the pressure that we were mm-hmm. feeling like the role requires being able to handle yourself in those situations. So like, what Mm -hmm. are some of the tactics and strategies that you found to be effective to regain your sense of control, your sense of self during those moments? Mm. Yeah, this is a great question. This is something I really, really struggled with until about 2021 when I actually got a therapist, I had a big fear of failure. I was such an overachiever that failure didn't even exist in my mind. I was like, what is that? And um, when I had all these fears and all these feelings of failure, I had all this anxiety around my work. So I actually got to a point where I wasn't even able to like leave my bed because I was so stressed about doing something wrong or potentially failing or letting someone down in this business. And what was really, really important for me was learning techniques to process my emotions, to feel my feelings and to let it all flow out. And that really helped me to manage my anxiety. And I completely worship my therapist for that because I seriously would not be here in my own business if I had not learned how to um, regulate my body and my emotions. So um, you might think emotions have nothing to do with the logic of business and, you know, it's all about numbers. You just come to work and you get it done and that's how it is. But it will catch up with you if you do not learn how to manage your stress now. And in fact, you cannot experience any growth if you cannot rise to a level where you are able to solve more problems and handle bigger and bigger problems, right? So if you cannot handle the stress of a refund, for example, whether it's in your own business or someone else's, how on earth are you going to handle a quote unquote failed launch or deleting an entire funnel or whatever problem it is that you may come up against in your business, you won't survive it. So you are only able to grow to the capacity with which you can emotionally regulate yourself and handle more stress and more problems and more complexity. So I would definitely start there. It doesn't have to be a spiritual practice. It just has to be a an awareness and some sort of practice. So I journal daily. I feel my feelings. I talk to myself in my head. So you that may be exercising or going for a walk or meditating or whatever. It could be a whole array of things, but it's just having some time to not I mean, we live in a time where we can avoid our feelings more than ever. I feel fear. I don't want to deal with that. Let me just scroll on Instagram. Um, I feel nervous. Oh, I'm just going to check my emails instead of deal with the problem that is at hand or, you know, respond on Slack. So I think creating space might even just be 15 minutes while you're washing the dishes or filling the dishwasher um, or having a shower. But notice what is coming up for you and feel it and say, I am feeling fear and it is temporary and I can move through that and it won't stop me from making the changes that I want to see in the world. So emotional regulation has to be my number one tactic forever. I love it so much. And thank you so much for just for saying that and just some of sharing some of the strategies you've taken because we are type A 
high achiever personalities. This mm-hmm. is difficult for yep. us to admit vulnerabilities, but yeah. we all have them. And your tiniest vulnerability is going to be exploited and expanded during times of duress. So finding whatever outlet it is, and like I definitely have the areas I lean on. I'm huge into some of my self-care mm-hmm. routines. And woo, I know when I'm not doing them because I feel it. Mm-hmm. And everyone around yeah. me does too. So <laughs> yeah, but that's so much about being an integrator where you you like you're the person on the team and the team is looking to you often to to be mm-hmm. that rock. And so like if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for your people. Like they need it. They need you. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective as well. It's not just about you, but your whole team and, you know, you've got to step up. That's honestly the only way. And sometimes we think stepping up is doing more, but it's really just expanding our capacity to feel more and to be more in the moment and to not bottle things up and avoid it really. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So I have a question. It's a loaded question because I've been exploring this for like three to six months uh, Mm -hmm. because the integrator by its very nature on the org chart is second in command. You're right next to the Mm -hmm. CEO visionary, which we've all settled in nicely on CEO being the title of that top person, right? Mm-hmm. But I, there's like 17 different words for that second command, integrator being one of the more prominent ones. So just to clear the air here, if someone's hearing this and saying, oh, well, I don't have that. I have an OBM. I have an executive mm-hmm. assistant. <laughs> like what yeah. exactly do you define as an integrator? Just so if someone's hearing that, they're going, oh my gosh, I do have an integrator. I just call them this. So I'm eager yes. to hear your, your, your definition. Of course. So the term integrator actually comes from Gino Wickman and his book Traction or Rocket Fuel, where he defines the entrepreneurial operating system as having a visionary and an integrator. And so um, in, you know, a smaller business, we can look at that as, sorry, in a bigger business, like you said, we have the CEO, a chief executive officer, and you might have a COO or a chief operations officer. That would be your integrator. Um, In a smaller business, when I was an executive manager, I was an integrator. I had the founder to answer to and their only role in the business. I even find sometimes in some businesses, you don't like CEO is the integrator because you might be, um, commanding to a founder or to an investor potentially and so when I was the executive integrator of this tutoring company I was answering to the visions and the requirements of the founder and so yeah we can use a million different terms executive assistant again depending on how big your business is um we have even chief marketing officer um operations manager can be really right. anything but what an, <laughs> what an integrator does is they take your vision and they create the action steps for it and then they either do those action steps so the work gets done or they will assign the action steps and delegate the action steps so they might even delegate it to you right I could be your integrator and come in and you can say to me Olivia I want a six-figure launch and I say cool this is exactly what you need to do in order to get your six-figure launch I've set up all the tasks on Asana for you off you go I could still be your integrator with literally that much level of involvement and so it really is 
yeah, someone who integrates the vision into, and I really love using the word translator. So they translate these big Ah. picture visions into actionable steps, into this actual strategy and the tactics and the to-dos in order to make that vision happen. They are part of the reverse engineering process. So I hope that clears the scary word integrator up a little bit. You know, it's not always tech involved. I think we hear integrator and we think, oh, tech, techie, um, but not always. Yes. That's what I get. That's the question I get a lot when I say integrator, like, oh, the person that put the, the Zapier guy. I'm like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Not, not even close. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. But I, and I love you pointed out that just because you're, that supporting role and you're the translator. I'm going to, that's a good one. I like Mm. that one, by the way. Mm. So often that requires you to assign subtask and full task to the CEO, which feels like a scary thing at times, but that's part of your job is that CEO. So so many of them, I love visionaries. I definitely have that part of my personality that is a visionary, and I need that for my visionary side needs someone to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Like they, I need yeah. that. And so if you're, if you're already an integrator and you feel sheepish about telling your CEO what to do, they need that from you. They will crave it. The, just do it the yes. first time. And they're going to give you that look on the zoom call. Like what the heck is going on? But that's okay. Cause they're <laughs> going to go do it. And they're like, Oh, I'm so glad that happened. So that's really cool. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there's a term for that. It's called managing up. And so many visionaries literally just want you to come in and tell them what the heck to do so that they can move towards it and don't have to think what to do for themselves. Once you can get someone to think for you in your business, you really start to move from that, you know, I guess, employee role to almost an investor role. And you can move less and less and be less and less in the to-do. Um, at the moment, I've um, fully off-boarded. That's not on-boarded. I've handed off the growth task to someone. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, I don't even have to step into my business and it grows. And that's what happens when you hire an integrator is they help you do the thinking. You have someone to bounce ideas off. You have someone to who's really in this with you and not just you know, sitting on the other end, waiting for a to-do list for Thursday, you know, they are mm-hmm. creating the task with you. So you don't have to think about it. And the other thing that I just want to say, because you mentioned it is, I also feel like I have a little bit of visionary in me. And if you're an integrator, don't think that having a little bit of visionary or, you know, being able to think both ways is a detriment. It's so, so helpful because it helps you translate even better because you can understand exactly where the visionary is coming from and say, okay, I get that. And my integrator brain is saying, we need to do it this way. So it, I find it makes you a really, really amazing integrator if you can think both ways. Absolutely. hundred percent. I'm glad you mentioned that because like that is, that allows us to see the full picture where our visionary doesn't. It's that ability to see both sides of the coin. And one little tactic I've used, which which I'll share here, is if I'm in one of those kind of meetings where we're working on high-level strategic stuff, I'll like purposely stay in strategic role during that meeting Mm. and then watch the replay with my integrator hat on. So that way I'm Mm. fully present in both of those situations and I that allows that. me to like do the whole thing. Cause otherwise 
I start hearing the vision and I'm immediately like, okay, well, we got to do this. Where's my checklist? I need this. Like I got to start thinking of all yeah. the steps here. Let's work backwards. But which, oh my gosh, like, don't do that. Everyone like for real, like stay in where you need to be at the time. Cause your, your, mm. your presence is so needed at that moment. So true. I love that. What a good tip. I'll, I'll test that out. Sometimes my integrated brain just takes over. I'm like, all right, whoa, 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 slow down, visionary. Yes. The visionary's like, I'm not finished. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yes, uh, I resemble that. So, so mm. much of this requires I, the the relationship between the two of you. I, mm. I think it's the, one of the most close knit relationships outside of of marriage or committed relationship of that of romantic relationship. How do you recommend really cementing that relate that 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 bond that you need to have with your counterpart? Are there certain things that you you've done that have really helped? Or I mean we're we're most of us are in virtual environment, so we can't really always go on mm. a re- retreat or something crazy like that. But like what are some steps that you've found to really work well? Yeah. First of all, um, I definitely recommend having a weekly meeting. So if you are even having fortnightly or monthly, always have a weekly meeting, even if it's just 15 minutes to see each other's faces and to have that connection. I've found that that helps bucket loads. The other thing that is a really small thing to do that I think brings virtual teams so much closer is just having a rule of thumb where at the start of any meeting, you ask each other personal questions for the first few minutes. So you say, how are you? How's your day been? How's the wife? How are the children? How is that thing you did last week? Um, Keep up with their social media. Pay attention to their personal lives because we don't have water cooler chat right? We're virtual. We It's so easy to jump straight in and be like, okay, I've been thinking about 7 million things. We need to sort this out. This problem is really pressing. But choosing to slow down and say, how are you? How are things going? What's the weather like there? Um, is so important and really easy to forget to do. So anytime I have a team member log on, I ask them how their weekend was. Are they excited for the next coming weekend? How's the weather? Um, if I see them in person, same thing. What did you get up to? And being genuinely interested. Oh, you saw this person in concert. How was that? Or, oh my goodness, this person's coming to visit you. How exciting. What have you got planned? makes such a huge difference so whether that's you know visionary integrated relationship or other relationships in the team just trial that out and explain that to your team and explain that you want to have a deeper connection with the people that you're working with with that small bit of small talk and watch watch you guys get closer really for sure I love that and I've I've used that same method and I knew we were winning when my British counterpart asked me how mm. my American football team did over the weekend. like There we go. I got goosebumps. It's that that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Although they didn't, they, they, they confided in me later. It's like, I still don't understand football. I'm like, why do you guys like this so much? I'm like, well, that's okay. All of us here in America. Well, not all of us anymore. 75% of us here in America say, we don't understand this thing you call football. So, you know, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> and yeah. we can have, even in a Zoom environment, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever done happy hour over Zoom? I haven't done it. I have been invited to it, but 
I haven't actually hosted one or attended one, but I think it's fun. It's it's just important to have a non-work, you know, lunch hour or happy hour or, yeah, like you said. I may or may not have gotten downright silly on a happy hour once because mm-hmm. I got into some bourbon. It was really, really good. And we were celebrating. So it, uh, yeah, the team saw a different side of Adam that, that day. <laughs> and I'm sure they loved it it humanized you even more they're like oh my god he gets silly on bourbon too you know especially when you're dealing with um you're a superior to a lot of people it's so important for them to see like you make mistakes you're a human too you get silly you have interests outside of work all of that is so important 100 <laughs> percent yeah, and it's all they talked about for like the next two months. Like, hey, remember when Adam? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I went in and I found the cloud recording before they did, and I deleted it because I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No one's safe from the cloud recording. <laughs> no, no one is indeed. So if we have a visionary out there that's listening, and they're like, "Wow, mm-hmm. this sounds interesting," like. I want to get me one of those integrators. Like, how do we go about finding one? I mean, obviously you have an agency, you help hook people up with uh, an integrator, but apart from agencies, like how do you Mm. just find an integrator? You just go on Upwork and search for integrator or what do you recommend? Yeah, good, good question. So this was part of the reason why I started my agency, or I guess really I, I was doing this freelance and having a team and it took me a few months to figure out that what I was doing was actually an agency. And when you try to Google on the internet integrator or find an integrator, nothing com- comes up. There's no, um, unless you type in someone's name next to it, who's known as being an integrator, there's really no platform that is specifically dedicated to integrators. So I I feel like that's part of what I offer, but freelance websites are fantastic. So I love Upwork. Um, I think there's also one called freelancer.com. You can use Fiverr and yeah, you can search integrator. Um, Usually that's a good place to start if you want someone who's very familiar with EOS. However, again, you can interchangeably use terms like OBM, online business manager, um, team manager, team leader. And again, depending on what your focus is, maybe you want marketing manager or executive assistant. The other thing that I will say is don't just... You don't have to rush into getting an integrator. You can hire someone to work with you on a specific part of the team and then they can work their way up or you can train them to being your integrator as well. So yeah, I love Upwork. You can always put a post up on websites like that as well, platforms like that, um, requesting an integrator. And yeah, again, you can use a lot of the terms interchangeably. So I'd really think about what it is that you're looking for specifically with like having in mind that you can always train someone for the role that you eventually want them in as well when you've grown to that point. Absolutely. And actually that's how I ended up in this line of work. I thought I wanted to do marketing and I found a gig Mm. on Upwork to be a marketer. I was moonlighting because I was still in the army. So I was moonlighting yeah. as a social media marketer and wow. turned into operations manager, turned into, I mean, 
it's just one of those rabbit holes you fall down it and you're like oh this is cool I like this yeah right. yeah and it's good when it comes by accident so don't definitely don't try and force anything definitely try and hire for culture first you know if you've got someone there who's can answer all the questions about being an integrator and has all the experience but they're not coachable or they're not looking to really grow like you need to work on culture first so yeah I I use Upwork all the time I love Upwork so there's some gems I tell you what there's little tricks to make sure you're to weed out people like one 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 thing I use is I, I I'll drop a keyword into the job spec you know what I'm I talking do that about? Too. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It that, you that suddenly have down from like two resumes. Yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's so true. Suddenly, like ninety percent have left the building. You're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, we can do country only. Like, I don't. For me, it's my option is U.S. only. But do you have like an Australia only option? Is that a thing? I'm not sure. I think so. Probably. Yeah. You can do locations that you prefer. Yeah. But I never like to start there because I've, I've just found some amazing employees in third, third world and developing countries that just happen to live there. It doesn't mean anything. They're, they're so capable at what they do. I think, yeah. Yeah. When you have an online business, you know, trying to limit, like why limit yourself to a location if you're, virtual anyway or you know working with people in international time zones anyway it's just yeah and then you get um more like a more talent field if you will so yeah you're better Mm -hmm. off using a keyword I love using the keyword try it out if you haven't already absolutely the one thing at all the time it almost backfired on me because I was working for a music company and we put put the word trumpet into your 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 cover letter so someone said, well, I'm a Trump. And I'm like, oh, you're just trying to butter me up now. It turns out she was a trumpet player. So, you know, it's kind of cool. No I'm way. a trumpet player. So it's like immediate geek out. We ended up hiring her, but not because she was a trumpet player. She was the most qualified and she did. <laughs> I love that. So this, this is for both of our, our visionaries and our integrators. Because we know visionaries, they got that thing they want to hold on to. Like what is, have you found to be hard to get visionaries to let go of for, and for integrators to take it over? And, and how can we go about mm. like convincing our CEO, you, know, you gotta let go of that. Let me take, take control of that for you. Yeah. Good question. I find that it's with the people that I've worked with, at least by the time they're ready for someone to support them, it's not about letting go. It's about getting them to slow down. So, you know, the, the thing that I find visionaries do a lot, which I absolutely love about them is the way that they have this 10 year plan, 20 year plan. They know exactly what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. And I see that with them. And then I say, okay, can we just take about 30,000 steps back and look at what we've got to do for the next three months, right? And so I think that is the main thing that I wouldn't even say it's difficult, but one of the most essential parts of working with a visionary is 
being that sounding board for them. And sometimes it's difficult because you don't want to say to someone, um, you know, it's their dream, it's their vision, it's, you know, their baby in a way, their energetic baby. So how do you tell someone that they need to, you know, not conceive that baby just yet, if that makes sense? Like we've got to build the room first. We've got to make sure we set up the IKEA furniture for this baby before we bring it into the world. So I think that would be maybe the most difficult or challenging aspect of working with a visionary is just coaching myself that it's okay and it's part of my role to help them slow down and focus more on the present or you know the three-month one-year plan versus the 20-year plan and letting Mm. them have full control over that 20-year plan but making sure that the action steps that they're taking now is in relation to our goals for the year or the quarter absolutely and 90-day sprints like yeah, those are the lifeblood of scaling your business. Like you can't, especially when you're like in that growth phase, two years feels like a long time. One year feels like a yeah. long time. 90 days. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to conquer the world, baby. We got 90 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. be awesome. It's true. And in the marketing world, online business, digital marketing, two years means, you know, there's tick talk 3.0 or some other new platform that we're using for social media strategy or I don't like we just we literally we have seen how fast technology has moved we have no ability to conceptualize what two years looks like so it's a lot easier to hone in a strategy for every quarter and know that you can at the next quarter reevaluate and see if the market has changed and pivot towards that otherwise creating a two-year plan with a budget trying to stick to it when you know like I said if if someone had created a two-year plan four years ago and Instagram was their main marketing strategy they would have fallen behind because they would not have adapted to TikTok so you just you just gotta look a little bit smaller a little bit closer in terms of time simply because the way that the online market is nowadays absolutely so you shared a a saying with me in our Mm pre-interview and I want to want to dive into this because so often I talk to visionaries and when we do I do strategy sessions with them and they think when I'm talking about scaling they think this like really complex thing I'm like no Everything Mm -hmm. gets a whole lot simpler. And that's actually one of your sayings is scale through simplicity. So I'd love to dive into what, how you make things simple, how we can slow things down and make things easier as we are indeed scaling and becoming a bigger organization. Yeah, there is no way to scale through complexity. (laughs) It's impossible. And just saying that makes me have a little giggle because the only way that you can do more of the things that are working is if you really hone in on those things. So I guess the best example that I could give is again, in this online market, um, if we talk about marketing, we have so many different ways we can, we reach new people. We can post on Instagram, repurpose that for TikTok, repurpose that for YouTube shorts, post a, a vlog version of our podcast episode. And to be honest, I do all of that, but My best suggestion is to not start out doing everything, but really hone in on one aspect and make it really, really good. And maybe that's email marketing for you. 
you can be the mm. best in email marketing and just hone in as that your sort of niche of digital marketing, all of that energy will really compile into getting you results versus spreading yourself very thin across you know, five different platforms or seven different offers and not really being good at any of them. So scaling works the same way. You can't scale by adding a new offer. And I see this all the time is that something is working and entrepreneurs love to burn down the building and create new things. That's what they're really good at. They love creating new things, but that is not how business really works. This is what I see a lot with the visionary and integrator relationship as well, is that something is working and the visionary says, excellent, how can we make it better? And the integrator says, excellent, how can we do more of what is already working? Because sometimes when you try to fix something, when you're trying to fix something that's not broken, you'll end up breaking it. So rather than mm. making it better, and you know, I'm not talking about you might film a new video for your program in a year's time or update the email marketing or whatever it is. But like if you get 10 sales on your course and you say, now I want to make it even better, like no, just leave it, let it work, let it continue to do its thing and see how you can get make more of it. So more people in the funnel, more leads coming through to consume the content that you know is working. And so mm -hmm. I forget now what your original question was, simplicity. So that is part of how you make it simple is not trying to, like I said, fix something that's not broken. It's just making your job a little bit easier because in like naturally, when you have more clients, more money coming in, more employees to manage those clients, it will be more complex. So adding more complex offers, more complex systems and structures will just create an absolute disaster. So you want to make sure you're very clear on what it is that you offer, who it is you offer it to, and what their experience is coming through. So what those systems and structures in your business is. And if you are confused about any of those things, it is going to be impossible for you to bring more people in because you don't know what you're bringing them into. So mm. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's so, I, I've heard that same thing, you know, and I've thought that same thing too, <laughs> where, oh, I got to do this now. But if we look at, I love to study the old guys, like all these marketing mm. books from 1930 and 40 and 50, like there's some like timeless wisdom in, in some, of the, some of the old literature. And a lot of times what they'll talk about is just like making incremental improvements. Like if you just improve 1% mm. here, 1% there. And so I think of like any kind of process improvement as the 1%. I'm just going to hone in on this one mm. thing and just fix this yeah. part of the process instead of trying to create a whole new one. Like that's, yes, it's, it's like compelling hear, to want to create a new one, but like the real work yeah. is the 1%. And you get caught in shiny object syndrome, which is, oh, there's a new technology that can completely revitalize the way that I do my business. Let me implement that. Oh, wait, now everything's broken. No one's getting their emails and my sales are starting to drop off. That's what happens. And entrepreneurs, visionaries, they want to be excited by their work and business in and of itself is actually very boring. It's the same thing over and over again. When you think about McDonald's, what do they do at every single franchise? They make the burgers the same way over and over and over again. And that's why it works because there's a 
quality assurance that people know exactly what they're getting. Imagine if every single month McDonald's scrapped their entire menu and started again. It would cost way too much time energy and effort to the organization and they would fail so that's why I always recommend just figure out what what, what, like figure out what works and just keep doing it over and over and over and over again because the time and effort and energy that you put into repeating a process actually gives you more space to let more people in if that makes sense because you're not using all your energy to scrap it and start again absolutely Woo! I love that so much (laughs) let more people in that's that's Mm -hmm. genius right there let more not only on the outside but on the inside as well you're able to even internally let more people in because it is a system it's it's a machine it works and you give people a system a machine what can they now do with it they can approach it Mm -hmm. with confidence right and exactly they don't have to relearn how to make this new burger every single month. No, they just, a lot of employees want that consistency as well. I don't love doing the same thing every day, but I have people who work for me who love that. I'm like, great, because I need something else to like keep my mind active. Yes. So it's it's not about, you know, what's right or wrong, or, you know, you might be listening to this and thinking, I can't do the same thing every day. Like, does that mean my business is going to fail? No, it just means you hire someone or bring someone on who knows that a business is meant to be boring and repeatable. And then you can go and take all your time to create the new visions that will come in over time, just not every single month or every single launch, if that makes sense. You know, you see people trying a launch and then, They're like, okay, well, that didn't work. Now let's do it a completely other way. But like you said, you need to do those little tweaks. Let me just change um, which platform I promoted on and test and see how the results are. Otherwise, you basically have no idea what's working, what's not working. And the whole point is to try and get it working, create a system, a process, a machine that makes money for you and use your time and energy to go and live out your passions like do something that's not business if business is boring do your eight hours of work and then go and live your life yeah I don't know (laughs) I love it it's like well the webinar didn't work let's do a five-day challenge stop yeah let's not do that right that's so cool yeah that's really profound and it's it's something that you you Listener, like I know you've probably heard it before, but there's a reason we're repeating it. And part of it mm-hmm. is because we have to hear it again and again. And part of it is we're telling ourselves, reminding ourselves yeah. to do it. Right. So much yes. of this is no like, one's yes. exempt. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. In my head, every single day, guys, I have to sit down and say to myself, what is working and how can I do more of it? Not oh my God, I really like the idea of doing this. Should I go and try that instead? Or maybe I should incorporate this aspect into my business. As soon as my brain does that, my integrator reels it back in, right? I've got both of them happening in my brain and says, stop, what is working and how can you do more of it? Don't fix what's not broken. It's like a mantra. It's like this, I have this little card I keep on my desk for a reason because I need it every now and then. (laughs) Do the fucking work. Exactly. You, it, there's no getting out of it. You just have to do it. Yes. Oh, I did this today. Actually, I have to mention this because I just came up with this yesterday. I have a, um, a habit tracker that has absolutely changed my life in the past couple months. And just yesterday, there's been this work that I've been putting off. Oh, I was meant to have it done 
last week, probably Thursday, and it's Tuesday for me now and I still hadn't done it. So I was like, okay, this is obviously a bad habit of mine. So on my habit tracker, I've now got every single day to do some deep work, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half of work that I do not want to do. So I just get used to just fucking doing the shit that I do not want to do because that's the only way it will get done. That is business. You're not always going to be able to do everything you love every single moment of every single day. So maybe try that out as a habit every day. Do something that you just don't want to do. (laughs) Yep. That's the reality of it. That's what makes us professionals. That's the difference, right? That's uh, Stephen Pressfield talk about that in the war of art you know the amateur does the work when he's inspired the professional mm-hmm. does it anyway yeah i love and it oh it's so true. i keep that book on my desk for a reason i need it at least twice a week with that <laughs> olivia i know you're a big reader I've, i follow you on the instagram mm-hmm. and you were, mm-hmm. you were you just had a post out the other day about favorite books in the last year so i have to I, yes. I, i'm a big reader too i'm a super book nerd i think like three books a month is what i'm averaging right now nice before we wrap up what are some books that you would recommend to the audience obviously we covered traction we covered um rocket fuel um Mm -hmm. what are some other books we can help not only in our professional lives maybe maybe in our own personal uh lives yes my number one would have to be the alchemist um I think this is great, whether you're a visionary at heart, whether you're super rational and logical, it's, I just could not put it down. It's told in such a beautiful parabolic way. And it's a story of someone following their heart's desire. And it's just so beautiful. And it's actually something that I want to read once a year, if not more, because And I've got a quote in there that I write down as part of my affirmations every day, which is when you desire something, the entire universe conspires to make it happen for you. And it will really just, if you haven't had a spiritual awakening before, if you don't understand that the universe is conspiring for you and that you can have anything that you want, this book will really help you to perceive that. Um, it's magical. So I would definitely recommend The Alchemist. It's not a business book. It's it's actually in the fiction section. I was looking for it at a bookstore. It's in the fiction section. I'm like, are you joking? This is like gospel. Um, and I'm just trying to think now because I'm like, oh, I love The Alchemist. I think Brene Brown is a really valuable, valuable writer. She talks about vulnerability, which has been very impactful for me. Um, she also talks about the role that fear and shame play in our lives and how it can hold us back from living really joyful really freeing vulnerable lives and vulnerability is the basis of all human connection and again more than ever it's easier for us to avoid that emotion and stick to surface level and not get deep with one another because we're scared so anything by her is amazing rising strong um, is really good so I love her work she's a actual researcher as well so if you are like oh this is all a bit fluffy for me all of her um work is grounded in experimentation theory science um just trying to think i read some good ones i i would just start with those two start with those 
to. And then if you're looking for more, if you've read those and you're like, oh, she had good recommendations, message me at Olivia the Integrator on Instagram and I'll give you some more. Because I, I read, you know, financial books and personal development books and business books and strategy books. And so they're probably, she's my top author and that's probably just my top overall book, but I read a lot. So I can give you some more personalized recommendations if you reach out to me. I love that. I ask that question a lot because it, it's so funny, like the different answers you get and like your answers, like, mm. those answers are like, like totally Olivia. Like that's what I would, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Have you read either? Have you read The Alchemist or anything by Brene Brown? I haven't, but in a previous conversation, you had mentioned The Alchemist to me. So now it's, mm-hmm. it's on the way. I ordered it. Yes. It's because oh, I, really? I, I don't oh, do the Kindle books like anymore. It. I, I, I can't okay. do digital books. I need hardcover books. I don't know why yeah. it's that physical connection. So I have to wait a little bit to get it, but it is on the way. So oh, I, I will please let you know tell me, yeah, how you go, because I'm, I'm obsessed. That's awesome. And then before you know it, I'll be like, yep. And I read it every year too, but yeah, it's good. good. <laughs> Brene Brown <laughs> reads The Alchemist every year. I read it. And then I read one of her books right after. And she said that. And I was like, well, guess I'm reading it every year too. So it's, it's actually her personal favorite book as well. So yeah, you'll love it. Oh, it's so cool. So much fun, Olivia. We could chat forever, but I know we, we do could. have to get on with our day. Um, where can the listeners find out more about you and uh, discover, you know, more of what you have to offer? Yes. So I am on Instagram at Olivia, the integrator. I'm also on TikTok. You can listen to me blab on all day long about this. If you haven't had enough yet already at the crystal vision podcast, um, it's on Spotify, Apple podcasts, all the places. Um, my website is currently might be up by the time this episode comes out. So you will either potentially have a link in the show notes for my website. I'm sure it will be up, hopefully. <laughs> I'm working really hard at it. Um, or otherwise, there's a link to have a strategy call with me um, if you want to learn more about what it is that I do, how I help people, or if you just want an integrator and to delegate to someone in 2023, I'm your gal. So you can find me at all of those places. Also, just come chat with me like I am normal human being so you can just be like hey you're cool and I would be like oh my god yeah you're an online friend so yeah well we're we're like normal for non-normal people right is that true I know people would listen and they're like what the hell are you talking about why do you get so excited about software and strategy and like I said two planners from the time I was 12 like that is abnormal but I know there's people listening who are like oh me too and you're my type of people (laughs) Love it. Uh, Olivia, this has been so much fun. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I hope everyone got a lot out of this. I know I did. It's it's always great geeking out with uh, someone else has been down this rabbit hole and uh, the various things that we shared and different things I'm sure we learned from each other. So it's it's awesome to to explore. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that wraps up for this episode, but don't let the learning stop here. Join us in the Facebook group where we'll be sharing the latest tactical techniques and tricks that we're seeing work in companies just like yours. Go to adamliette.com slash Facebook. That's A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E dot com slash Facebook.